Welcome to the GCSAA podcast, recorded live at the 2022 GCSAA Conference and Trade Show in San Diego, presented in proud partnership with Bayer. Now, here's your host, Scott Hollister. Well, hello and welcome to the 2022 GCSAA Conference and Trade Show here in sunny San Diego, uh, sunnier than Ohio. Absolutely. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> uh, sunnier than Kansas. It's uh, or, with snow. We're also uh, we're excited to have everyone here, um, and we are doing two recordings of the GCSA podcast live from the GCM booth while we are in uh, San Diego. And I'm excited to have my first guest uh, today, uh, Mr. Chad Mark. Uh, Chad is the director of grounds operations at Muirfield Village Golf Club. Uh, the site of the memorial since uh, 76. Mm -hmm. You've not been there for all 76 of those. I've been alive for it, but, been, but <laughs> you not and, there. You and me both. This year's event is May 30th through uh, June 5th, and so uh, excited to have uh, Chad uh, join us. Chad, thanks for the, the time. Uh, how has your uh, time in San Diego been uh, so far? Well, thanks for having me first off, and it, it's been fantastic to be here. It's been, uh, the weather, like you said, is fantastic, and it's great to see so many people after a long delay. And, um, you know, I think the show floor is active and fun, and I love it. It's great yeah. to be back. Yeah, what, uh, just from your, uh, you know, as a prof uh, working superintendent, what, what, what's your number one goals when you come to, uh, to show? Are you, are you education? Are you, I'm sure, cyclically, you're looking at maybe new products right. and various things like that, but what's the, uh, typically number one on your list? Well, I mean, I, I, honestly, typically number one, it's a, to, that reunion with all those people that you've formed relationships with throughout your career, whether it's the people you've worked with or, or vendors who have supported you throughout your career. Um, but yeah, like you said, there's there's always the equipment packages that are coming due or a project that's coming up, and uh, this is a great way to research those things, have meetings, uh, sometimes bring in some of the higher-ups of some of the companies that you don't normally get to see. So there's a lot of great business things, and there's a lot of networking that, that is, um, you know, undisputedly the best thing about this thing. Well, I hope you don't have too many projects. You, you've oh, had, obviously, we'll touch on this a little bit later, but you've had your uh, plate full there at Muirfield. Uh, let, I want to start off and just maybe talk about your path into uh, into a career in golf course management and um, just your origin story. Uh, were you a golfer as a kid? How did you first get interested in the game? Well, like a lot of people in our industry, I, I got into the industry because of my father. Uh, my dad works for Baron Brew right now, Jacqueline Seed. He's, he's been in the business for a very long time. and. Uh, you know, when I was 16 years old, it's, hey, you know, there's a golf course down the street here. It's a nine-hole public golf course that was close to where I grew up that he got me a job. You know, six, seven-man crew, uh, great pride in what they did. We had a, a ton of fun. Uh, and then, you know, as, as you get closer to finishing high school, you're like, well, what am I going to do? I really like this. And uh, I went to Ohio State University and, and majored in turfgrass science and, and agribusiness and um, worked with some tremendous people through that, that, that period of my life. And, um, you know, again, dad, you know, being dad, um, you know, now I have a son approaching this age too. You don't want your kids to really move away, but right. he thought one of the best things for me, I was working in Columbus, um, going to school in Columbus, and he said, look, I think there's this really good superintendent doing a grow in in Cleveland, Ohio, in Chardon, Ohio, near Cleveland. His name's John Zimmers, and he's doing a grow in at Sand Ridge Golf Club. And I didn't really want to go to Cleveland, but I went up. And Dad took me up there right before Thanksgiving, uh, my sophomore year in, in college, and, and I met John Zimmers for the first time that day. And we rode around for the uh, hour and a half, two hours, had lunch, and I was dead set on not going to Cleveland. And when I left there, I took a quarter off of school and, and we did a six-month internship with John Zimmers. So that's really <laughs> what set everything for me and my path and um, that, that network of people and, 
with him and then staying uh, at Sand Ridge after graduation and being an assistant for Jim Roney, uh, those people really shaped where I went in this business for sure. Yeah, it's always, it's always uh, striking to me the, the, the role that great mentors play sure. uh, for superintendents and how, how, they, uh, how they get you uh, on that right path. And I mean, your story right there with, yeah. with John and, um, and everything, that's just a testament to that. Yeah, no, absolutely. And, you know, again, it started with my, my father, you know, pushed me in the right direction, uh, grew up on a farm, did love to play golf. Um, I know some, some of us do, some of us don't, but I did love to play golf. And, you know, over the years, that's, that's dwindled a little bit, but I, I did <laughs> enjoy the game uh, in, in high school and college. And, and so that's, that's where I got started. Uh, talk a little bit about your your path to Muirfield. Um, I know you had taken another position uh, at another mm -hmm. uh, very well regarded uh, golf course, kind of, and it's kind of come full circle with the superintendent there now. Um, yeah. But then you uh, uh, took the job uh, with Muirfield Village, which I know was was a, really a, a kind of a dream position for you. Well, yeah, I, I mentioned I went to Ohio State. So when you're an Ohio State student, you're sitting in Cotman Hall uh, with Dr. Dannenberger, you know. There's, there's a big club in town that has a tournament every spring. So we all, we all knew that. It was, a, it was obviously something that um, I, you don't think could ever come true, but, but certainly a dream uh, job for where I grew up and where I went to college. Uh, I, I had a great, great run at, at Kirtland Country Club, which is just a fantastic place and fantastic members of people. And you know, it was just that, that period where I'd been there 13 years and the Everness thing came up and, and it was exciting for me to go uh, and try to do it again, see if it was just a fluke the first time, I guess. And, <laughs> and uh, you know, I told my wife on the way home from the interview at Inverness, I said, this is, this is starting over. This is like building your culture, building your equipment fleet, building your staff. And, and, and it was in a, in a funny way, it's much like my friend Rich McIntosh that just took over at Colonial. He, he, he's doing what we did at Inverness, where you gotta go in there and kind of get your bearings and start over and it's fun. And then we're, we're twisted in that way where it's really fun for us to, to go tackle that challenge. And I really thought I'd be at Inverness through the time my kids were in high school. I really right. thought we'd be there for a long time. And that was the intention. I would have never done that to them to go for one year. Sure. Right? But I think you know, God puts us in places for a reason. And as you said, John being there now has taken it to another level. Uh, I think we did make it better than what it was, but that was a really hard thing for me to do to leave. And um, I actually kind of said no at first. And I had a mentor of mine call me and say, don't be an idiot. <laughs> this is right. a dream job. Like, this doesn't happen, you know, and, and, and that, that needs to be said sometimes because I think we all feel a loyalty. And, you know, I very, I very well could have just said, no, I, I don't want to look into it, but uh, I'm glad I did. I'm very, very, very blessed to be where I'm at. And you're at a site that, it, uh, and I, I think the story is, is fairly well known within the industry of, of what you guys uh, had to deal with um, during the pandemic uh, and in the run up to. Uh, Basically, you dealt with three major events that typically most superintendents will take an entire year to kind of plan for, or even more than that. Um, and we're talking about back-to-back -back PGA Tour events followed immediately, actually while one was going on, uh, work to renovate uh, the golf course. So um, it was pretty all-encompassing. You rebuilt greens, tees, uh, everything. People can, you know, there's a lot of information out there about it. but. Um, Talk first about, let's talk about the timeline for the renovation. When did that get on the radar? And what was your planning like in the run-up to originally just the memorial before you added the, uh, the other event? Yeah, I don't, I don't know how much time we have. But I, <laughs> I, I can give you a, a, a good version of this. Realistically, the, the dream of the project actually started right after the memorial that Patrick Cantley kind of ran away on the last day. And we went out to 
And, and Jack grabbed me right afterwards, and we were talking like we normally do, and he said, look, he said, I think you guys did a great job. I think the golf course looks spectacular, but you know, I'm not getting any younger, and I want it to be perfect. I think you want it to be perfect, and I think we should look into at least redoing the greens. I said, Jack, if we're going to redo the greens, like you know, the irrigation system's only 13 years old, we're close, and then there's all the bunkers need redone. There's just been you know, a mishmash of when we did that. Uh, the tees are at that level, and he stops me and goes, okay, we're going to see you at Pebble here in a couple of weeks. Let's let's talk about it. But put together what you want to do. So we went out to Pebble, and I think maybe the two weeks had given him time to you know kind of say, you know what, that's a lot. That's taking the golf course away from the membership. And he didn't really want to do that. He didn't want to take the golf course away from the members. And he said, let's table it. It's good. People are happy. You know, I just I'm, I don't like the POA, and I think that. That's a silly reason to shut it down right, right. now, and, and and that's what's funny because we kind of tabled it. That was in June of uh, 19. So then that October he came up and he was just up for a day, and he grabbed me and said, "Look, we don't have to do all of it. Why don't we just resurface the greens?" And uh, if I given if I was given 24 hours to think about how I'm going to answer that, I probably wouldn't have answered it the way I did. But I just said, <laughs> "Absolutely not. That's not what we need. It doesn't really fix our problems. We have drainage issues in the greens. Paul had done a great job of." getting us to a point we could manage it, but we were managing almost like a soil-based green because it was, it was just, it, it wasn't draining the way it, it should. It wasn't firm enough when we got rain to the tournament. And then, and I said, let's do it the right way. And that's when we decided to do it. And that was September, uh, early October of that year. And so that was probably the most uh, advanced planning that Muirfield has ever went into to do a project. So we were excited about it. We built a great plan over the winter. And then, as you said, COVID hit and, um, we didn't know if we'd have a tournament. We didn't know if we'd still do the renovation. We didn't know anything. We all were on that roller coaster of not knowing what was going on. Um, and then they delayed the tournament. They didn't really give us a, a, they said sometime in July. And at that point, it was, um, it was early April. Right. And I, we had Labar uh, come in and start doing some fairway bunkers. And everybody thought it was crazy. But I, I looked at it as we can knock off some of the work we were going to do in June. Sure. And it'll get them acclimated to the property. And let's face it, they may cancel this tournament altogether, and we can just slide right into to doing everything. Right. So we did all the fairway bunkers uh, in June, May and June, uh, buttoned everything up about five weeks before the tournament, and that's when they hit me with the curveball and said, hey, by the way, <laughs> the tour thinks it's safer if we can stay in the same place for two weeks, so we're going to, uh, we're going to do two tournaments back-to-back -to -back if you think you guys can pull it off. So uh, I won't recommend that to anybody, but it's, it's a career... Um, memory that we'll always have that group right. that we had uh it was fun and the weather worked out we, we went into this saying hey we're going to have two different kind of conditions we're going to do the first one as a regular tour stop and we're going to let the second one go a little bit further and and that that was fun that was fun that week was really uh unique for what we do did it change any of your uh preparations uh in terms of manpower or is it was it just a matter of once you added that second event prepping your crew like hey we're for the most part, we're just, instead of doing what we typically do for one week, we are now going to do for two weeks with obviously tweaks in, you know, green speeds and rough heights and things like that. I guess, the, first off, when I went to tell the crew, I knew, I knew the press release was going out at one. I held a meeting at 1230 and I brought everybody in and we did it outside because again, we're dealing with the COVID times, right? right? And right. I said, hey guys, I want, I want you to hear this from me. So everybody that had been on our crew that had done a few tournaments kind of was like, seriously? And then all the guys that had never done one were clapping and all excited. And I said, see, they don't get what yeah. this is going to be. But uh, 
Yeah, there was definitely uh, some advanced planning that we had to do to do two in a row, right? Uh, and I worked closely with our agronomist, Thomas Bastis, PGA Tour, right. to try to develop a plan that said, hey, if our green speed's normally X, we're not gonna do that week one because it'll take way more inputs, we'll wear things out. Um, and we need, to, we need to play some defense. So we didn't do, like a typical week, you're gonna do a dress rehearsal on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday to make sure you're good for, for Thursday. And you're gonna do everything. So you're gonna mow fairways and mow tees and do everything you're gonna do for the three, four days of tournament, you're gonna do leading up to. We didn't do that. We, we skipped fairway mowing quite a bit early that first. We didn't even mow every, every round of the event. Wow. So we were, we were sandbagging a little bit to get to the week two. Uh, water was the biggest thing. Uh, and our water management crew was fantastic because they really had to keep things going, keep it alive until we kind of pulled the plug and said, okay, you don't have to do it anymore. But right. we, we had to really manage water well that first week uh, and we had to manage the stress level to make sure we made it to week two. I was surprised that we did a really good job with that on greens, but the, the foot traffic on tees was what we didn't account for. Uh, just the torque that these yeah. guys hit the ball with, their foot traffic annihilated. Not, we knew the par three tees were going to be an issue, and we tried to save them back, but, but a lot of the par four and fives got beat up because of the foot traffic, and we really had to back off the tees the second week to make sure yeah. we had grass on them at the end of the week. Yeah, that's something you probably wouldn't think about. I mean, even with a lot of advanced planning, I mean, that's a, kind of an interesting uh, a take on that. Did the fact that you had this renovation coming in, uh, as was famously seen on the Sunday broadcast, um, you guys were moving in behind play to begin tearing up. Did the, fa the fact that you were going to be doing a full renovation, resurfacing the property, did that impact your tournament prep at all? Knowing that, well, we can, we can push things maybe a little bit more because this place is going to be a, a construction zone starting next week. Well, did you see it on Sunday? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, we let it go. Yeah, I mean, it definitely did. We didn't have to have, that, that golf course was getting ripped up the next day. so. That certainly played a factor in what we were trying to do. Uh, we, we didn't want to make a mockery of it, though. And Correct, I think yeah, the PGA obviously. Tour did a really good job of balancing the, the playability of the golf course with what we were trying to do. But it really made for a good storyline because it was completely different conditions yeah. uh, on Sunday of the Memorial versus Sunday of the Workday. Um, but you mentioned our guys going out there, and it was really it was the contractors going out there. And the right. whole reason for that is Jack was getting on a plane at noon the next day. Yeah. And we are already seven weeks behind when we were going to start this project. And by the way, we have a tournament next May. They weren't going to have the tournament right. in July the next year. Actually, right. as bad as I hated the July tournaments, that would have been kind of nice to have that buffer. But we didn't have that buffer. So we needed to use Jack's time as wisely as we could. And we knew that number two and number six were just tweaks. We were going to, we were going to tweak some slopes. Uh, Chris Cochran, his design associate, does a great job of of shooting grade and we knew that we wanted to take some slopes from 6% to 4% and it was very minor. So they, they stripped that off and the bar did that minor work and at 8 a.m. the next morning, Jack's out there looking at it and approved it and before Jack was back two weeks later, those greens were sodded. So that was the whole point, not to waste a minute and, and to get a good start and, and know that his time is important and, and so we, we jumped right. it and that was probably uh, it was met with mixed emotions for sure. Um, it wasn't our intention to, to upstage anything that was going on. Our intention was to just maximize our efforts. I mean, it's just like on the, the workday the week before, we were spraying greens on the back nine when TV was on, you know. Yeah. It, it was, we just off camera. So we were working then too. Well, well it made for good TV. So, sure. and you know, with them, that's the, the most important thing. Uh, you talked about the pace of the renovation. 
Um, how difficult was that to manage to get all of that done and give yourself a little time to get the course dialed in the way you wanted it to prior to the next year's memorial? Well, our members were great because they were patient enough to let us uh, stay closed up until the weekend before the memorial and we let them play first. But uh, they didn't push me to get the golf course open in the spring. So that's first and foremost the best thing about it is the members were patient and let us do our job. Um, it was, it was certainly a challenge to manage all the entities that were involved. Uh, obviously, I, I mentioned that Labar was there doing the golf course construction work. We had Limewood Irrigation doing the irrigation work. We had a drainage company there doing drainage. We had uh, a company running powers for the precisioners. Um, Tom Waite was there running that crew. I mean, we had over 140 people at one point. I looked, I looked at the daily roster and the play sheet that we were going to go off of that day, and I said, including our staff, we have almost 150 people here. And wow. um, Managing that to make sure that we were effective and efficient, uh, we had great, great people, not only on our staff, but with the, with the contractors that year. And the communication at the end of the day, at the beginning of every day, to, to go over any kind of audibles or curveballs we had come our way was key. Uh, I, can't, I can't ask for a better staff. That, the way that Adam and James managed everything that year was phenomenal. And we just, we really, we got dialed in. When, quicker than I think most people do because of that. We go back to when they came in in April and May and they finished those ferry bunkers. That day after tournament, we didn't have to feel each other out. We didn't have to tell them where we're gonna take spoils. We didn't tell them what hole number they're on. That crew knew what to do and I really think that was the underrated reason that we were able just to hit the ground running and get it done as quickly as we did. Uh, the other thing I was curious about is from a kind of a man management standpoint, how did you, uh, were there particular challenges in Probably not in necessarily motivation, that's probably the wrong word to use, but um, there's a lot of stress, obviously on the front end with back-to-back -back tournaments right into, the, right into the renovation. How did you, were there any special techniques or things that you used to kind of keep your guys motivated and, and dialed in as you were just really crunching this renovation to get it done uh, before the, the next event? Well, we did. We started later because the, the contractors were starting at 7, 7.30 and they were working until 7 or 8 o'clock at night. and. Yeah, so there was no reason for my guys to be there at 5.30 if they're starting at 7, and that's the majority of what we're doing is, right. is hand-watering behind them and, and working some of the construction. Our guys sided the green, so that was part of it. Um, so we made sure that they got every other weekend off. Uh, we felt like that was important because of what we just went through. And, you know, the biggest thing is I, I, I still go back to so many people had a, a, just a bizarre year in 2020, right? You know, working in their homes or zooming everything when, in meetings i think we were very blessed to have a major distraction yeah. in two tournaments and uh going through the renovation because we were in our bubble or it COVID didn't exist in what we were doing uh, on a daily basis and it was almost refreshing that we had that focus shift to that uh so our staff was extremely motivated there's a lot of guys that that'll be one of the, the biggest things of their career uh it's a great resume sure. builder for many of them and they just, they cared. And, and so I didn't have to do a lot to motivate them other than make sure they were well rested, make sure we were well fed and we fed the guys every day. And, yeah. and, and they, had a, they had a lot of fun. I think you talked to the guys on that crew, there's a brotherhood there that, that uh, they'll, they'll always remember and cherish. Yeah. Did you uh, personally, uh, how, did you, how did you manage that? I know you've got, you've got kids, your kids are involved in athletics, you've got family stuff. How did you personally balance all that was, as that was going on? I hired my kids, the two oldest ones. <laughs> I, I, I'm blessed to uh, have a great wife and support network at home. And she, you know, they, that was the fun thing about construction. They could always come by late in the day and you know, bring a sandwich and ride around the golf course sure. and see everything. And they, they, they wanted to see what was going on too, because you know, my oldest did work there at the time. And, 
But you know what? If <laughs> there's a funny story, and Jack told this at the press conference last year. He, he called me and said, hey, can I switch my visit from Wednesday to Thursday because I'm going to take a flight back on Friday to catch a football game for his, son, his grandson in Atlanta. And I said, yeah, that, whatever you want to do, that's fine. And he said, that doesn't mess you up, right? I said, I said no. I said, I was going to go to Ryan's first football game it was as we were getting into October uh, or September. And he said, uh, well, you're still going to. I'm not letting you skip that. So I was kind of joking. I, we had a job to do. And... And when he got there, um, he said, what time do you got to leave? And I go, Jack, I don't need to go to that. because you're going to that. And Barbara, <laughs> Barbara looked at him and goes, you're going to that. So they, when you work for somebody that values family the way that the Nicholas family does, yeah. it's not hard to be able to escape to those things and do the right thing as a father, too, because that only happens once when they're in you know, school football and all that kind of stuff. So yeah. we, we made it work. We worked our tails off. But you know, when we needed to go watch them play and be there, we, we were. Absolutely. Well, it's a good segue into, I'm, I'm kind of contractually obligated to ask you the question about what it's like to, to work for Mr. Nicholas and, and, and to be in that role. Um, there are obviously folks around the industry who've had various interactions with Mr. Nicholas, whether it's just on a one-off design basis, but this is his baby. Um, so from your perspective, what's, what's he like as a, to, to work for as a superintendent and what's he like as a man? When he hired me, he told me, look, you know what you're doing, you know what the expectation is, and as long as we're doing that, you won't hear a peep. If we're not, then we're going to have to talk. And I said, understood. And we both share the same vision. We both share the same passion for it. I think that's where you go back to what he said to me with, after Cantley won that one in 19, and he wanted to do some things at the golf course. He said, you know, I want it to be perfect. You want it to be perfect. We, we share that. And I think we have a very special relationship from that standpoint. Uh, we, uh, every superintendent here loves his golf course and wants it to be the best it can be. And, it, and that's no different than the way I approach my job. And, and that's what he wants. And so it's been uh, unbelievable to, to work with him and the Nicholas family and Barbara. Um, they, they treat all of us like family, and, and that's why it's a special place to work. That's great. Well, um, you've got another one coming up, um, and you've had a less than a, well, you've had a full year uh, to, to, get it, to get it ready. I'm sure you haven't done a lot of projects around the place in, in advance of this one, but it must be, must be nice to have a year under your belt of just sort of normal prep, normal member play, and normal preparation for this event. So you guys got to be pretty psyched about what's coming up here in May. Yeah, and, and my wife and I are building a house right now and, and talking about the move. She just said, you know, you're going to get busy here in a few weeks. And I said, I am going to get busy, but I will say this. Our infrastructure is so much better than what it was before the project, and that's the underrated part of this, right? Yeah. Um, we had to do so many things that were really inefficient because we didn't have the right components in place. And I feel like our tournament prep, we, we're still at the mercy of Mother Nature in, in the spring in Ohio, but we have some, some great infrastructure in place now. I mentioned the precision airs and our bunkers are all on the same page and redone and we have, we have a liner in those that doesn't wash out. So I mean, we're, we're really um, poised to, to be able to cross our T's and dot our I's and do the detail things versus right. having spend a ton of time on, on things that were inefficient before. So I, I think that's the underrated part of this. It certainly is nice to not not be wrapping up a lot of the project as we as we right. get near this, but we're, we're building a new maintenance facility right now. So that's that's 
a little bit of chaos for us. Because we can't just go a no. year without something, no. right? You're building a house and a maintenance facility yeah, at the same time? Yeah, that's not recommended either. <laughs> I might recommend two tournaments back to back before I recommend that. Yeah. That's yeah, a stressful thing. Well, that's great. Well, Chad, uh, I appreciate you taking some time out of your, out of your schedule here at, at the GCSA Conference and Trade Show to join us for this uh, fascinating project. I knew you've answered some of those questions probably a million times, but uh, appreciate you sharing with us here on the uh, GCSA podcast. And uh, Chad Mark from Muirfield Village, everybody. Thank you. Thank you for listening to the GCSAA podcast recorded live at the 2022 GCSAA Conference and Trade Show in San Diego, presented in proud partnership with Bayer. For more, search for the GCSAA podcast wherever it is you get your podcast or find us on the GCSAA website by searching GCSAA podcast at GCSAA.org.